listening to another episode of the Sydney Hudson Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sydney Hudson Podcast. Yes, it's been a minute if I must say so myself. Wow, it's been a whole year. Literally, that's 2022 done. I'm recording this podcast Last day of 2022, tomorrow is literally 2023. It's a brand new year. So what I wanted to do for this actual podcast is to talk through the lessons that I've learned uh, from an accounting perspective, as well as from a business perspective as well. But firstly, let me say welcome to anyone who's listening to this podcast for the first time. My name is Beverly, Beverly Sydney. Um, I manage and run this practice, Sydney Hudson. We're an accountancy firm, primarily based on talking about taxes, essentially. We do the norm. We do the normal accountancy thing. You know, we file returns, we file self-assessments. We deal with several businesses, which I'm going to talk about much later on for the podcast. But essentially, my main aim for this accountancy practice is just to help. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I want to say help myself, um, because that's essentially how I started this firm. How I started... I. You know, I was teaching for a while, um, had my first child and decided, okay, well, I wanted to work for myself. Um, And as I started working for myself, I realised I'd run several businesses before I started this one, essentially. And as I started that business, I thought, well, the one thing I actually only understand is the numbers. I actually understand how to file, how to set up the limited company. So, you know, a teacher then became an accountant and, you know, five, six years down the line, here I am. Um, And I've I think along the along the along the while or along the journey, I've realised that a lot more people are in the same position as me, looking for that financial freedom, looking for ways for wanting to do things on their own in on their own terms. Hence, I've decided. Well, you know what? Done with just helping myself because I helped myself already. Let me now see how many more people I can help. So again, here I am today. It's been a crazy last couple of years. I've got to say that twenty um, twenty. If if at all anyone remembers, it was a mad year. That was COVID year. That brought a lot of uh, things to learn about from an accounting perspective, from running a business, from learning about financial freedom. It was a lot. It was a lot of challenges that came with it. Um, I have to say, I got to know a lot of people through that. I got to help a lot of people through that, which was um, not only exciting, but just such a pleasure to know that I could make a difference because ultimately what we're here for, we are here to make a difference to each other and where we can offer our support and our services to people, that really needs to be our pri- pri- primary goal, in all, in, in all honesty. Um, so let me get into it. Um, as I've said before, my name is Beverly Sydney. I'm the founder, if you want to call it, <laughs> different name, CEO, whatever, <laughs> of Sydney Hudson. Um, I've been running this practice for a while now. Uh, give it solidly, I'd say about maybe four years. When I say solidly, I didn't running it properly as a business. Before then, it used to be called what you call a side hustle, um, a term which I now hate, but I'm sure I'll, I'll revert back to that later on. So let's get into it. Lessons learnt for 2022. That's the first, uh, I said, well, let me say it this way. I want to build this podcast around my lessons learnt in 2022. And then I want to go on and talk about what my plans are for 2023 and plans for me alongside the clients I manage. Um, and then I also want to talk about, you know, future-wise, what is Sydney Hudson going to be about and where this accounting practice is going. So let me start about lesson learned. So when I talk about the lesson learned, I'm not 
just talking about lesson learned from my perspective. I'm also talking about, obviously, as I said, I manage a few clients and I say a few, there's about 200 odd. So there's lots and lots of lessons that I learned from these different businesses. And the beauty of not being a niche, another concept I'll talk about later on, um, is that when, when I first started, it was like any in any business, you want accounting, I'll do it, you know. But over time, I've started to niche a little bit into several different sectors. Um, but the beauty of having, I suppose, a broad overview of clients is I get to see different things at different times. And I also get to see how different people react. So, I mean, having a almost a research project, if you want to call it that, of 200 clients gives me a good insight as to how different people work. Um, and the beauty of having that also broad aspect or broad, I don't know what you call it, broad definition of clients is that there's, in terms of revenue that they all make, it's literally vast. So I've got people making £500 a year down to people making over a million a year. So it's literally that broad. Um, and the beauty of that is I get to see how different people act and also how clients have gone from making £500 a year to making a million pounds a year, which for all, you know, that are listening, it is possible. You've just got to put your mind to it. Thinking about putting your mind to it, when I sign at the end of my proposal um, that I sent to clients, at the end of it, it always says, you know, whatever the mind can conceive, you actually can put, I mean, I'm paraphrasing now, whatever the mind can conceive, you actually can put to play. And I believe that. And I wholeheartedly think that is still possible. It is a case of who you think is who you are. If you can put your mind to something, then you can get it done. But anyway, I digress. Let me go back to lessons learned for 2022. The first lesson that I can say that I've learned across the board for all clients is not having enough cash reserve. And when I say cash reserve, I'm literally, it's in the term, it's in the term cash reserves. So for example, you make 10K a month. Of that 10K a month, have you put aside tax to pay? Another topic we'll discuss in a moment. Have you put aside tax to pay? Have you put aside just cash flow? A little bit of cash that you can use to do something when a topic that I'm going to discuss in a minute, when um, recession comes into play. Have you got that cash available? You know, have you put aside, um, if you're looking, if you're thinking about growing, have you put, have you actually put aside that amount of re uh, revenue that's going to help you grow further? So that's separate to cash reserves, by the way. This is the thing that I've seen across the board with most of my clients. Cash reserves is a very, very tricky concept, I want to say, for business owners to understand because it's almost like, why am I leaving cash sitting there doing nothing? I need to be doing something. I need to reinvest. I need to do this. But often it's so vital. And I'll talk about um, the situation where it is useful. So let me, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll, I'll talk coldly. I say coldly, coldly is not the right word. I'll talk, I'll talk, I'll give examples. Um, they're not necessarily in reality to any of my clients, to be honest. So if you can think, for example, if you have got a good cash reserve, we're coming up to a recession now. 2023 is meant to be just doom and gloom. If you're a YouTuber like I am, as a YouTuber, someone who listens to YouTube, I suppose someone who actually puts stuff on, <laughs> content on YouTube. Um, I listen to a lot of YouTube content, uh, essentially people that put a lot of content out. And a lot of it is very doom and gloom. 
a lot of it is very much like there's a recession coming. And and apart from that talk, we see, or I suppose what we see is interest rates going up. I mean, the Bank of England, and don't get me started on the Bank of England. The Bank of England have got a whole concept of wanting to actually cool down the economy because the economy is in a big fat bubble at the minute in terms of we're just not, we're just not giving in. We are still spending crazily. So they're, they're wanting to force us to stop spending. And the way that they're doing that is via is via raising interest rates. It's not that they actually understand that the whole concept, the, re- the reason why we are where we are is one, partly because they put printed too much money into the economy. And secondly, because, because this issue is actually a su- supply side issue, which I can talk about perhaps in this podcast or a different one. But going back to the cash reserve issue, it's such an important element. Let's talk about the pros. So as I was saying, if you have, if you have left cash, if you have some sort of cash reserves, when we're into this recession, the beauty of having that cash reserve is that you're now the person who has the power. You have the power to buy up another business. You have the power to get extra stock if you need the stock. You have the um, extra cash to make investments. At this point, you can make investments if you want to. You can expand. You can do lots of things with your cash reserves if you bother to build them up to begin with. Now, the negative side of that is that, well, because of inflation, then the cash value in the business isn't really worth much. But in my view, I wholeheartedly believe that the the pros outweigh the cons in this situation, because if this so-called Bank of England plan is to kind of cool down the economy by making it suffer via interest rates and so on and so forth, then you want to be in a position where you've got cash. You want to be in a position where you're able then to buy up things when they come along. So for me, for example, I will be at some point buying another accountancy practice to join to mine. But that's only because I'm in a place where I've, I have enough cash reserve to do so, not at the moment, but <laughs> it's up and coming. I have enough cash reserve to do so because if I'm going to buy something, it needs to be worthwhile. So I need to raise a bit more. I need to keep building my cash reserve. So if you're a starter, and I know that, again, some of my clients hopefully will be listening to this. I have some clients who are just at the beginning and some clients who are far gone. And even with the, when I say far gone, they're many, many years in their business that, you know, they're getting up to 30, 40, 50 K a month um, in terms of revenue. But there are some of those that don't have cash reserve. I want to implore you, 2023 has got to be a year of ensuring, even if you start with a basic, 20K comes into account, 30K comes into account on a monthly basis, put 5% away. It actually doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to put that 5% away or 2 or 3%, as long as you're putting something away into your cash reserve. And you can put it into, you can open a business savings account and dump it in there. And at least it's still working for itself. Yes, inflation might erode some of it away, but it's going to be some of it because it's a question of at some point, the return on investment that you're going to get when you use that cash reserve, it will be so much more better than having zero. Um, and that's and that's that's really the place to think about being ensuring that you have a cash reserve. So some of the lessons learned, I would say, for 2022 is seeing a lot of businesses that have not put cash reserves aside. And I think 2023 has got to be, you know, you got to double think, you got to double think that you got to think about raising or making sure the cash reserve becomes a core element of how you do business. Secondly, being in personal debt. Now, I've got to say a lot of businesses or let me, let me say in this way, people that start a business, essentially you start that business because you look at your bank account and you think, I don't have enough money in there. I need a little bit more cash. And, you know, you start what we call what we call a side hustle. 
Um, and let me, I suppose, let me give you a definition of why I don't like the term side hustle. And this is the core reason of why I don't like it. Because essentially we start this side hustle as a way of clearing our personal debt. But more than often, it stays as a side hustle. We do nothing with it. So I would want employers to not call it a side hustle. If we're going to start a business, then we need to see that as a way of a step into financial stability or financial freedom. It can, a side hustle is something you do on the side. It's something that, you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean anything to you. And, uh, you know, someone might debate me. Someone might say, well, you know, what is better than having that than not having anything? And I say, yes, okay, fine. If you want to call it a side hustle, you call it that forever, but it's got to be a main purpose for that side hustle. What is it doing? Because at some point you're going to realise that, well, if it's just a side hustle, then you're splitting your time. Could you use your time better to be a great entrepreneur? It's like considered word properly, but you know where you're working within your business. I mean, within another firm uh, that's not necessarily your business, and you're working your way to the top. Could you employ your time there and make more money there, and then use that money to make a pass- passive income? Could you do that easier, or are you splitting your time between both um, both elements? and getting burnout. And one of my clients speaks really well on, on, on burnout. And, you know, do you want to be doing that? Do you want to, have to live a life where you're just constantly unhappy? You know, so side hustle, in my view, yes, starts off as that, but shouldn't remain as that. So going back to the topic of being in personal debt, that is such a key issue. And I'll, I'll be honest, when I started my business, I've got to say, I mean, aside from the fact that I'd just come off paternity leave and I, <laughs> I remember waking up, literally thinking, knocking my husband and going, yo, I want to get paid this month. What's going on? You know, as in, I I remembered that maternity leave is done. I'm no longer getting maternity pay. I need to make some money, you know, and that was, that was a wake up call for me um, in many ways, really. But the most important one was that I literally realised I was reliant on somebody else for my income. You know, how was I going to create some kind of live on my own terms if I'm relying on somebody else? And as I said, that was a wake up call for me. From that moment, I decided, okay, I need to start a few adventures, uh, ventures, should I say, and see where that takes me. Uh, But at that point also, it was a case of, oh, if I don't have any money coming in, how are we going to pay all these bills? You know, so yes, I'd started my business to clear my debt. Um, But what I've learned over this year for 2022 is that a lot of businesses that have started carry on being that that the businesses are only set up just to clear debt and that cannot be a healthy way. So I would like to implore um, all businesses just to make sure that we have a more intentional way of clearing our debts um, and not just draining the business to clear the debt. Um, if you have to, oh, we all have them. We've all made mistakes. And I could have a conversation about how banks operate for the world. Anyone that knows me and hears me talk knows I have a massive vendetta against banks <laughs> and the way they work. Um, but we've all borrowed to the hills um, and we've started our business on the basis that we want to clear our debt. Let's do that. Because ultimately, if the business is only set up just to carry on clearing debt or carry on servicing the way that we live, um, which is living above our means, then it's pointless. Then the setup of the business is absolutely pointless. Why have a business if all it does is clear your debt? Um, So yeah, so I guess the lesson learned there that I've seen is a few businesses, I'll say a few, um, because it's only a handful, have used the business as a way of clearing personal debt. And I say clearing personal debt, but 
continuously clearing personal debt. Not that they just made, they've obviously come up with this brilliant idea, made the business and then use that to clear a debt and that's it. Now they've now gone forward. No, it's been a continuous cycle. So literally I'm going to go out, spend crazy, then, you know, have a good business idea, put a business together and then use it to pay debt. Because that ultimately, which has been a shocker for most business owners, is when I then say, okay, well, your director's loan looks a bit crazy right now. Yeah, because you spent money from the business that's not yours. You know, because remember, when you set up a limited company, essentially that belongs to the crown. So you have a you have a duty as a business owner to ensure that you follow the rules, which means that if you're going to pay yourself, then you pay yourself via the normal route, which is you either pay yourself via dividends or you pay yourself via um, pay as you earn. If you're doing neither of those things and you're constantly just taking money out of the business as you see fit, one, I think that's that's a it's a very bad way of running a business and I've seen it quite a lot this year across across the across the um uh, just across the business atmosphere if you want to call it that this is not judgment this is not me judging um it's just that I, I think it's a time where if you're going to call yourself a business owner you've got to get better we've got to get better and not using the business as a bank account or as a cash machine where we're constantly just like yeah I'll just use 20 pounds today on this or I'll just use 30 pounds on this if you think that way, the act of making or getting to a million, is I, I don't see it as working. When I look across my client base, the people that have, the clients that have got to a million quicker are those that have had very good discipline. They're very, very, very disciplined about how they spend, when they spend. If they have a sole purpose of wanting to use something in particular to do something, then it's always a case of let's have a discussion of how that can be done. Rather than, you know what, I've made the money, it's mine, I'm just going to spend it. That doesn't work. The business, the limited company and you are two different complete entities. Where I've seen massive, massive failures is where the owner has not differentiated himself from the business. They've seen their income and the business's income, especially when you're a limited company as one. And even if you're not, even as a sole trader, you need to see yourself as two different entities. Because if not, then what's the point? Then all you do is essentially just make and spend, make and spend, and then there's no future for the business. So again, going back to um, lessons learned, using the business just as a way of clearing personal debt has got to be a one-off. Once you've done that, you now think about how you're going to grow the business. The other, <laughs> number three, I laugh at this one because um, it, it's, it's, a sub, it's, tr- it's a tricky subject to touch on, but I'm going to do that anyway. I've seen across the board people paying too much for consultancy sometimes. <laughs> a basic example would be your business brings in a £1,000 a month. Why on earth are you paying £5,000 for a consultant? Why? This to me does not make any sense. And do you know what? This is not to knock any consultants out there because I, I have a, a good host of consultants as my cli- as client, as on my client base. But I'm actually very choosy about what consultants I, cho- I take on board because there's this market in there of fake gurus, the ones who actually can no longer make money from doing what it is they preach, but they just, they make money from the preaching itself as opposed to the actual activity. So they drain other people under the so-called guise of I'm teaching you how to do it. 
that does my living daylight. It literally does my head in. I found it, I find it so, so annoying. So let me make my point very clear. If you are a business or a startup, your focus needs to be on how do I get money in, not how I spend. You know, I heard I heard uh, someone on YouTube say this. I won't mention the name because I just got arrested recently. <laughs> and anyone who knows will know who that is. But as much as he's, he's a bit of a crazy one, he did make an important point at one of the YouTube videos I listened to, which was the fact that business is about money in. You trying to fix your logo, you trying to pay a consultant ridiculous amounts of money is not how you get money in. How you get money in is settling down and thinking, how am I going to sell this particular product or this particular service that I'm offering? How do I sell this? That's what's important. Not all these relevant expenditures and not even about how I cut down on taxes. Yes, I said it. (laughs) Because half the time you spend your time focusing on how I don't pay tax rather than how you should be making money. Make the money. And the person that you've employed, which would be us, of course, will figure out how we can make sure that you're being tax efficient. But the most important thing is how do you get money in? And do you know what? I'll be honest, even with some clients that have come in when they've just started a business and they say they want an accountant, I tell them, you don't need an accountant. What you need to go and do is go and make money. When you make money, then you can come back. Because ultimately, it's got to be about you started a business because you want a different way of living life. Go and make that money. Your focus should not be on how you spend it. So yeah, so that's my third. I want to say third. Yes, I'm my third one. That's my third where businesses have started and they started to pay too much. Too much on irrelevant things. Again, the clients that I've seen that have moved from zero to a million in a space of a year or two, they've been very, very careful about who they pay. And if they are going to pay for something, you better be sure they want that service. They want to see that. Because the reason why I have this big issue about some, and I'll say some consultants out there, is they asking you to pay. First of all, they're asking you to pay, I don't know, I'm being silly now. They ask you to pay £1,000. And then when you pay that £1,000, you've got to pay an extra £2,000 because you need to get into the freaking inner circle or whatever that is. And I'm mindful that you as a business are not making that much. So why would you want to get in the circle? Go on YouTube. There's so much more free material out there that you can use. And sometimes I want to boil it down to the fact that we're not disciplined enough. So we pay a consultant money for something that we really should learn how to be disciplined about and read a book or find some information about and then implement it. Half the time we haven't implemented the free stuff that's out there before we want to pay a consultant something. You cannot grow your business in that way. So these are some of the things that I've seen on why uh, businesses haven't gone forward for 2022 because they've spent so much time paying for consultants that are not relevant. But I'm going to also contradict myself and say that I have seen some clients that have paid for, you know, tens of thousands of pounds for a consultant. But the beauty of, (laughs) I guess the beauty of them paying that amount is they've actually made it work. They've realised, well, I've paid this ridiculous amount for this consultant So every bit of information they give me, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to use every sentence they've given me, every tip they've given me, and I want to see that it works. But unfortunately, 
majority of the time, I haven't seen that. I've seen people pay for consultants, sat on the information and done nothing with it. So your key thing for 2023 has got to be about money in. I've got to make the money in before I even decide about spending. That's got to be a key thing. This one is a good one because I made this mistake myself this year. Well, I say, yeah, this year. We're still in the 31st today, so it's still this year of 2022. Hiring too much. Then hiring, over-hiring. So I think that's a better word. Now, there's, obviously, there's this, I think, e-myth. I blame e-myth for this. <laughs> Though there are some, no, let me rephrase that. There is all the truth that comes of e-myth. Whereas there, we have this concept of when we start a business, we've got to do everything ourselves. So we do. We've got to wear all the hats. We've got to wear the accountancy hats. We've got to wear the CEO hat. We've got to wear the you know chief operation hats. We've got to wear the marketing hat. So we wear all of the different hats. But you know this book talks about rather than wearing all the hats, let's delegate. Let's find someone to do something. But then there's the other side of it where you overhire. So I fell prey to this, and not only did I fall on this point, but I also hired cheap. Um, because you're doing that thing where you're thinking, well, boy, I'm not sure I can afford who I've hired. So let me hire cheap. And then if I need to train, I'll train. But I must admit, it's been a crazy lesson this year. You've got to be, I guess the two things is one, you've got to ask yourself whether you're actually ready to hire. And then do you actually have the training to hire? Do you know what's best and who's best? Have you looked at your business as a whole? If you planned, if you strategized. So for example, when I started, I had a very good plan. So I knew I didn't want to, I didn't hire a second accountant because I know I didn't need a second accountant at that point. What I needed was an admin because emails were getting crazy and I was quite good with, well, I say I was good. As far as I'm concerned, I was quite good at answering my emails really quickly. Um, I'd set up some systems. So I had Calendly working for me. But I was drowning. I was drowning the emails. I found I was spending more time doing emails than actually doing accountancy work. So I thought, okay, if I can get some of my admin work done, um, I suppose delegated, then that'd be great. Then I can get that delegated and I can get on with doing the accountancy work. So I hired. Um, and she was absolutely amazing. She came in, newbie. So I had to do a few training here and there. She was, she was a beauty to work with. And then as I grew, I thought, okay, well, I now need a bookkeeper. Um, because the bookkeeping is getting to be a lot. Let me get another member staff in. So I got another member staff in. So when I'd hired her, I believe at that point, uh, she wasn't fully versed in everything I needed. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get another person in. So though the first person I hired, there was a, there was a strategic plan to that. I can't say that for the rest of the team, there was. So at some point, as you can tell already, that started to add up. So a good figure to have, and I've heard this once and I can't remember who I've heard it with. Ideally, for the revenue that you make, you don't want your staff members to be more than more than 33% of what you earn. So you want to keep it that 33. So a third of your revenue that comes in. So again, if you, if we use numbers, if you're making, you know, uh, 90 pounds for the sake of simple maths, you want your you want your staff members or your team not to be over 30 pounds. So a third. A third of what you're making and no more. And that for me is what I've seen across the board where we've decided because we want to delegate or the idea of a team sounds good um, or because we're tired, then we hire and we overhire. Um, and often we hire cheap and that creates a problem in and of itself. 
Um, and then you might have to downsize. And I have to say with myself, I've had to downsize and I, it was painful to do, but it was a, one of the best things I did. Because what I then did before I downsized was actually go back into strategy mode and find out, well, who do I need and why do I need them? So going back to lesson learned uh, for across the board for what I've seen is hiring too much um, or better word, over hiring. So be careful when you hire, make sure there's a strategic plan for it. Have a discussion with us, talking to our clients. And if you're not one of our clients, but you're listening to this, look at your numbers. When and where, looking at your spreadsheet, when and where can you hire? When does your spreadsheet interrogate zero, interrogate uh, QuickBooks? When is a good time to hire? Look at your numbers, look at your profit, look at your bottom line. When can you get an additional member of staff? And don't leave it too late, because often that's the other thing we do. We don't hire quickly enough, so we either overhire <laughs> or we don't do it quickly enough. So it's always important to try and make sure you get a fair balance on that. The other thing that I've seen across the board for 2022 is going back to this word side hustle. Too many side hustles. Yes, I said it. Too many. There are those out there that, that talk about having multiple income streams. I'm going to put a bit of poo-poo on that, lack of a better term. You do not need multiple streams of income if you haven't mastered one. I'll say again. You do not need multiple streams of income if you haven't mastered one. Because if we look at it, the people that have, even the coaches themselves that preach about that, they have made more money from one source of income before they've diversified. It's as simple as that. So you've got to follow that because often, it, do you know what I see across the board is, I listen to a lot of coaches and I listen to a lot of things that people preach about when it comes to businesses or starting a business. But I don't only listen to what they say, I see what they've done. So you have a, a group, a core group at the minute who are preaching a lot of things, but forget what they're preaching and look at their lives. Look at how they started out. They made money from one element. And then, I don't know if you can hear the fireworks behind. It's like not even seven o'clock and they've started fireworks. Anyway, hopefully you can't. Um... They've made money or funds or revenue from one source of income before they've diversified. So unfortunately for this year, and I think it's 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 come across from 2021 as well as from COVID, where I've seen clients with lots and lots and lots of different ideas. They don't give one idea enough room before they jump into another. And you know what I'm going to say now, don't you? The ones that have made that income the ones that have been successful in going up to a million and above have bedded down on one idea. And then they've used that idea to fund others. But they've made their premise, they've made their revenue, they've made their stance, they've made their, I don't know what you want to call it, their foundation from one aspect. So too many side hustles mm -mm, isn't the way forward. This next idea really is, uh, <laughs> maybe I should have actually started with this is a lack of strategy. And that actually, you know what? It, it embodies all of the points that I've made because if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a strategy of where you're going, you know, uh, let me go sidebar for a second. Uh, you know, 2021 for me felt like a, I blinked and the year was over. 
2020, I mean, sorry, 2020 was a blink and the year was over. 20, well, I should know. 2020, I lie. That was COVID year, wasn't it? So that was quite busy. That was, I took a lot of bold steps that year. 21 was a blink. I Because obviously I'd done well in 2020. So 20, um, 2021 was about now building those relationships. And 2022, I believe, was a learning year for me. But in each of those years, the year that I would have said I had a strategy was 2020. 21 and 22, my strategy lacked a lot of focus. And I think I can almost see that across the board with some some businesses, not all. Because again, the businesses that have gone past their threshold, they've had a clear, and it doesn't mean, I mean, when I say clear, they have a clear strategy year by year, month by month, day by day of what they want to do. So often isn't a case of I need to renew my strategy every year. No, it's just a case of having a clear and very, very specific strategy about what you want to do. And I think that's what I've seen across the board this year that's not been available for most businesses. They've forgotten their strategy. So because they've forgotten their their specific strategy, they've not saved cash flow. They've not put they've not put cash reserves about. They've gone into old habits and overspent. They have paid too much for consultants because they've been the fear, the inner being has spoken out. So they've ended up just thinking, okay, well, I'll just remedy it by spending money on consultants and that will solve my problem. And obviously it hasn't. And then they've gone on to doing things that's not relevant, like overhiring or having or starting these new ideas, you know. So I want to employ everybody. If you're going to start 2023 right, you must start it with a plan. And don't just make that plan and leave it. This isn't about, um, you know, I'm going to make a plan for this this month. I'm going to have some goals and then, you know, come February, I'm going to forget what these goals are. It's really got to be a case of I'm going to put a strategic plan in place. I'm going to review it quarterly. I'm going to sit down with my accountant. We're going to look at our numbers and we're going to review this bad boy every quarter. So I should have, so for example, I should have, you know, a third of cash reserve revenue. Well, Bev, let's have a look. MJ, who obviously part of the Sydney Hudson team. Am I doing that in a minute? Where have I gone wrong? Are my percentages wrong? Should I have more? Do I have less? What should I be doing? Your numbers needs to be feeding you, needs to be giving you information about what you're doing. When I say feeding you, you should be feeding into your strategic plan. And that goes on to my next step, my next point about what I've seen, where, and I, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've made this error now and then, you know, where you've hired help and you've not trusted your help. You know, it's kind of crazy because you think to yourself, why hire them to begin with? <laughs> so if you've hired help and you believe in the help that you've hired, let them do their job. Let them get, get on with it. Obviously have accountability, but let them get on with it. I say this because across the board, the clients that I've seen move forward are the ones that I've said, Bev, I need a report by so, so and so, but I'm going to go on and do what I'm good at doing. That's where I've seen progress. So that's got to be a definite thing to for you as a CEO, for you as a CFO to put into play. If you're going to hire help, hire the best and then trust them to do their job. Financial planning. I have to say, 2022, it's not been a great year for that. I think it's been a case of best of intentions, if that's, if that's, if that's the right terminology, where we've wanted to do it. 
We've even laid it out, but we've not revisited it once. So there are a few clients I have on my list that we've made plans, but I've not been able to get in touch with them or they've not been able to get in touch with me. I'm not sure which way around it is, but we've not, re- we've not revisited those plans. And I can't say that that's the best thing for them. But yet I've seen them do lots of different things that's outside of the strategy. But if we'd had that discussion, things may be different. They may be looking at 2022 as a different year now. But yet they would pay a consultant, and this is what bugs me, they will pay a consultant who doesn't have an idea of their numbers to tell them to do side hustles, to tell them to do something else where they haven't bedded down on this one idea. So something that's got to be key for 2023 is financial planning. So for all of my clients, I implore you, you have access to my diary, get a date. Let's get that financial planning sorted out. And it it can't be just a plan for today. It's got to be something that we review on a quarterly basis. And I have to say it's a 50-50 our, we do, at Sydney Hudson, we do our very best to send messages across. We email, we give you a call when we don't get hold of you. But we need all of our clients to be just as accountable to their financial plan as we are. Because we can happily sit there with you and you know that we've done that. Get that spreadsheet up and put those plans together. But if you don't pursue that plan as much as we do, there is nothing that can happen. There isn't, the business won't grow. And you can go out and have as many side hustles as you want to have. I can't see that that will make a big difference if we cannot get the first thing right, which is getting the financial planning right. Okay, so having said all that, it very, seems very doom and gloom and very preachy at you, but those, those are some of the, uh, the lessons that I've learned for 2022 of where businesses have, could have done better where some businesses have done well. So those that have done having a cash reserve, they've not let their personal debt affect the business. They've not paid too much for consultants. They've not hired too much. They've focused on one idea. They've had strategic plans. They've trusted their hired help and they've had financial plans. For those businesses that have done those things, I've seen them meet their financial targets and actually exceed them. They've done all of those things. So that's something to think about. So, I guess I can give you five core plans for 2023 that you can put into play. So hopefully you've got your pen and pencil. Pen and pencil, I mean pen and paper, or pencil and paper in my view. As everyone knows, I I use pencils, I don't know why. (laughs) So what's your first um, plan? Your first plan is to actually build, have it in your mind that you're going to get money in, niched on one idea, and you're going to build cash reserves. Money in, cash reserve, cash reserves. That's point number one. Money in, cash reserves. Your percentages can be whatever you want it to be. Because I'm not going to say 2%, 3%, 4%. That really depends on you and your financial situation at the minute. So, you know, I have some clients who are doing the seven figures and above and they do 20%. Um, I have clients who are doing the same and because they have investments um, elsewhere, so in other words, they take their cash reserves and they put it into properties or they put it into different investments, they have a smaller number. That's entirely up to you, what you decide to do. They have a higher number, shall I say. 
that's entirely up to you what you do, but you must have one. If you do have personal debt, because that's just what time that you know that's 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 the past has happened. Let's not beat yourself about it. You've got to use inflation to pay down those debt. When I say use inflation, at the main at the moment, you know, if we I guess if we think about um house prices maybe one to consider. If we think about the value of money now, your best bet is if you have a debt, pay it down. Because that, that the value of that debt remains at the old value. It remains at when you first took the debt out. But the value of today's money is much higher. So what you want to do is use that value, that new value, that much higher value to pay down the old value debt that you had before. Do it and do it quick. I'm not of the school that believes in debt. I once was, but I definitely have changed my view on that. And I'm going to keep that steady. Debt does nothing for anybody. Good debt, bad debt, don't give a toss. It really isn't. Any of those things don't mean anything to me. And the reason I say that is just because I've just seen across the board what debt can do. Because if you think about what debt is, debt, debt, because again, this is my experience across the board of having managed so many clients and I've seen what debt can do to people. So now I've gone on the kind of uh, risk averseness of it all. Um, And I'd rather, we owe no man, we owe no one. And the sooner I think as people that we understand that the richest people on this earth, uh, it's not Bill Gates. In fact, it's not even Amazon. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos is not him. The richest person or entity in this world is the banks because they literally make money out of nothing. Why would I want to owe them? Unless you're talking about an interest-free, and even an interest-free is terrible. That's even still a, you're still being fooled by that. You know, so my view, if you have debt, use the debt, use inflation, sorry, to pay down that debt. Now, I'm not talking about property here. I'm not talking about mortgages. I'm talking about really ridiculous debts, credit card debts, car debts, all of those things. Pay those down ASAP. And then you've got to, they're not even then, I suppose before, this should have been, this really should have been my number one. You've got to devote your time to strategic planning. You know, read all the relevant books, Blue Ocean, uh, Blue Ocean, I can't remember the name of the, the title now, but um, if you want to get in touch with me for the title, I'll give it to you at that point. But Blue Ocean, there's a book called Blue Ocean, and it just talks about how you differentiate yourself from the masses because for you to be successful in this world or in this atmosphere of finance or financial freedom, you've got to find blue ocean thinking. That allows you to then plan strategically how you want to do things. And as I said before, in terms of inflation, um, this, there's a lot to be said about understanding the economic condition. I think I, I touched on this right at the beginning. Understanding inflation, understanding interest rates, understanding the supply chain, the fact that the problems that we're likely to have for 2023 and beyond is supply side issues. Everyone wants to work from home now. Everyone wants to have a flexibility of working. So until the economy gets to a point where it understands how to manage that, we're going to be at this point where we don't know how to deal with working from home or manufacturing 
we're a service-based country. Are we relying on India? Are we relying on China? Who are we relying on? Either way, as a business person, you cannot sit down ignorant of inflation, interest rates, what the, what the supply chains are doing. In other words, you cannot be ignorant of what the economic status of the world is. You've got to understand that. And if you don't, get on the Listen, I can talk about this for days. So get on the phone, give me a call. I'll, we'll talk about it. Because this is so, so, so vital for the success of your success of this, of your business. Really, really vital. The last one I want to talk about is the most important one. Because that's where I think I've seen businesses fail. Systems, creating systems and sticking by the systems. I mean, I've had to learn the hard way over this. I've lost a few clients over not being systemized enough. And I've seen businesses fail across the, across the two years I've been doing this now. Businesses have failed where they've not big, good businesses, good ideas. They've failed where the CEO has not had a good system for the business. Where they thought to themselves, well, I'm the CEO. I'm going to hire, you know, a COO. I'm going to hire a chief operation, someone to manage operations. I'm going to hire um, admin. I'm going to hire an accountant. And I'm just going to sit back. No, CEO, that's not the way forward. You're going to have to have a good accountability measure across the board. You know, there's a lady that I listen to on YouTube, Leila Homozi. I love her to bits. She's absolutely nuts. But she's very, very truthful. And I like how clear cut she is about how a business should be run. So there's Alex, there's Alex Mosey and Layla. So they're, they're a married couple. And they've, you know, when they talk about money, they make my eyes water because they literally just talk about money like it's like, yeah, yeah, we had 50 grand and we had to do this. I'm thinking, uh, you started off with 50K. Okay. <laughs> but um, their clarity about people, about how they make revenue, about focusing on one thing is so profound so i would again implore you if you're if you're on youtube i think they're on youtube i want to say they're on instagram but i don't know i'm on there so i'm not sure but i know that they definitely have youtube channels so they're probably a good couple to listen to uh failing that there are so many books out now that just focuses on how you systemize your business how you systemize every area of your business but more importantly as i've said as well as systemizing you've have got to have accountability for each element you cannot just hire and as much as i said I do, I do think you need to believe or trust the help that you've hired but you have them report back to you you have you have them you have a, a strategic plan about how they fit into the goals that you've put in together and what their part is to play on that so they know. So, for example, if you, when you've hired us as, as your accountancy, as your financial base, you hire us and you say to us on a quarterly basis, I would like a report on X, Y, Z. And we then have a target to meet and then you let us get on with it. And at the end of the first quarter, you you make sure that you've done your bit. You've given us all the information that we need. There is no point asking us to give you a report at the end of the quarter but yeah, we have things like receipts missing. Now, my conversation with CEOs has got to stop being, oh, I didn't receive this receipt today. That is not getting us very far. Our conversation has got to be how, when, what, 
do I, what do I need to do to grow this business? What are my blind spots? What's the upside of making this decision? What's the downside of making this decision? That's the conversation I'm looking more forward to having for 2023. But that starts from systemizing. So that being said, um, for those of you that are listening, thank you if you've listened this far. I feel like I've been talking for an hour now almost. (laughs) If you've listened this far, I just wanted to remind you all of what our core values are. And this is available on our website. If you go to sittinghouseand.co.uk and you click on About Us, this is what our promise to you is. We, what the most important thing is trust. I literally cannot function without that. As a business, within my staff, um, myself and my clients, that I currently have in a minute, if there's no trust, then I literally, keeps me, it keeps me up at night. It's got to be that there is a, there's a clear foundation in, in our relationship. That's why I like to have a clear foundational relationship with all of our clients. So because of that, I've come up with five core values. The first one being trust. We need you to trust that when we say that we will do something, we'll get it done. I say we'll get it done, but it's got to be that all the information that we need from you is available. Because as much as we need to get our side of things done, we also need our clients uh, to be able to get that done. But we want you to trust that everything is being taken care of so you can then rest at ease. We believe that honesty is the best policy. This is our second strand. So we expect all our clients to be truthful. Tell us that you've overspent. Then we know how to deal with it. Tell us that you have a different account where you've, you know, did a side hustle here or there and you've made some extra cash. We're, we're, we're in the economy now. We're in a state of play now where there is nothing you can hide. And what I've, I mean, I think this year, and I should have added this to my lesson learned, to be honest, but this year has been a year where HMRC are now sending letters. They're sending letters to clients and thinking, okay, well, you've been a home lo- a homeowner for six odd years and you've not paid tax. Why is that? And that client has thought, oh, wow, I thought I got away with this. It's been six years. HMRC will find you. Every and anyone is looking for money, and that includes the government body. So if you're looking to hide money away from this matrix, if you want to call it that, bad idea. Your best bet is to know how bad the situation is in terms of a tax value and then let the experts deal with making it tax efficient for you. So honesty, honesty is the best policy. We expect our clients to be truthful and that way we can get everything and whatever needs to be done, done the proper way. And we do that with zero judgment. My my role is not to judge. Who am I to judge? You know, simplicity is our third strand. Numbers are a thing. We speak numbers day in and day out. But hopefully if you've heard from this podcast, I'm not one for big words. I'm not interested in big words. And that's the way we do our accounting. I don't have time to use big words. So my job is not to confuse you. Because when you're dealing with, in my view anyway, when you're dealing with what's close to the heart, because let's face it, we're all trying to make a living. We're all trying to build a future. We're all trying to build a legacy. My job is not to come up with, you know, ROI or, you know, um, you know, epitaph or all these big words. And you're thinking, what on earth is she talking about? My job is to make this as simple for you as possible. 
integrity is a key one and hopefully that's an underlying value that you would have heard throughout. We will act in integrity at all times. Our job is not to avoid tax. Our job is to make tax efficient for you. So it includes showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence adherence, to our principles and our values. So we adhere to HMRC's rules. Whatever rules they've set is what we adhere to. We're very close to the line, but we look, we definitely abide by their rules. And more specifically, we know that, and this is a new, one of the new things that we'll point into play um, for 2023 is becoming um, paperless because we're aware that, you know, we, it's global warming, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, we want to pay, play our part towards that as well. So on that same vein, we make sure that in terms of the technology coming up, we I mean, I'm constantly, even too much to my own detriment, but I'm I'm always looking out for new tech uh, to make sure that we're offering you the best and quickest way to get the information that you need, whether it's whether it's relevant, whether it's the way that we do a bookkeeping, whether it's the way that the tax information gets to you. But we're continuously trying to stay. We're not trying. We are being curious um, to ensure that you've got the best technology that helps you. Um, with making one things more cost effective, but also staying tax efficient. So one of the key things I want to say before I end this podcast is that we are, because 2022 for me, I think it's been a year where I must admit I've experienced burnout. I think from the 23rd of December, I was looking forward to taking some time out. And I think that experience and burnout has come from not being disciplined enough with all of our clients. Um, so we are going to be very, very specific. We are going to be dropping a few clients, unfortunately. Um, but more specifically, we're going to be devoting our time to clients that we know that follow our values. Um, we know we need to be tougher on that road, um, which does mean that, you know, we're only going to ask for a couple of things once or twice if that's not given to us on time then we don't see you as a serious business as simple as. Um, and I'd like to, you know, give a special mention to our CEOs and our CFOs. If you're going to make this business a success, if you're going to be disciplined, we've got to do this properly. It's got to be that we're sticking to time. So we're sticking to time frames. We, if we, take, if we know that it's going to take us three months to get the accounts done, we've got to stick to that. We've got nine months and one day because HMRC gives us that extra one day to to get accounts ready. We shouldn't be fighting to get accounts done by the eighth month before it's due. It's just not good enough. Um, So we are going to be very, very tough on this uh, for 2023 and going forward. And we hope that you realise that we're doing this not just because, you know, we want to, but because it makes life easy for you and for us. If we're getting your stuff already on time because you've done your part, then it means that if there's a tax bill to pay, you know exactly what that is way, way before. You know, it means that when I talked about all those lessons that we learned that I've seen across the board for 2022, that you're able to do that properly. So we're able to do management accounts properly. Before the year end, we're able to discuss how and when we can actually, if there's any big expenditures that we need to make before the tax um, taxes due or the year end, we can get that in play. If we don't get those things done on time, then it's just not efficient in general. 
So I guess this is my one podcast for the year. Um, I'm glad that I've got to do this before the year end. Um, It's taken me a couple of days of reflection to get down all the elements that I wanted to get down. I hope you found it useful. Uh, So the place to get us on is sydneyhudson.co.uk. Book a call. Uh, January is going to be a bit of a quiet month for us because that's our strategic planning month. I've got a few meetings booked, but... Uh, I suppose in terms of when you want to get strategic planning done for the business, I would suggest that you spend this month putting together your ideas and then for February, then we can start to build that out and see what that looks like. I do really hope that you got this far in terms of listening to the podcast. Um, And then for all our clients, we're wishing you a very, very successful year ahead. We know it's going to be, I want to say challenging year, um, but I think 2022 has been challenging in and of itself. But I believe that if you've taken two things out of 2022, it should be about the fact that you are now a different person. You need to be a different person to grow your business further. And for 2023, you need to step into being that person to actually grow that business. You've got to be strong about what you want, when you want. And that's very, very, very important. Um, So aside from that, I wish you a very successful year. Um, I know it's going to be a great year. I know it's going to be a challenging year. Two things you've got to remind yourself of is money in and just upskilling, making sure that you're skilled in what you're doing and stay put. And when I say stay put, I mean, stay put with that idea that you've got, that idea, you know, that it's working. Stay put with it. Don't jump from 100 and, you know, from one idea to 102. It just doesn't make any sense. And burnout comes quicker, which is what we don't want. So I look forward to doing another podcast. Um, I think think I've planned it for the end of the first quarter um, just to kind of remind everyone of where we are and where we're going so you shall hear from me beginning of April until then I'm sure I'll speak to you directly soon thank you and take care thank you for listening to another episode of the Sydney Hudson podcast for more information and more episodes head over to www.sydneyhudson.co.uk